Life Audio. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we're going to be tackling an interesting question that we had sent in to us by one of our listeners named Joyce. So thank you, Joyce, for that. Um, The question is, if God is just, is he fair? And are those things the same thing? Yeah. Apparently this stems back to a sermon spoken at some point by, we believe, Maybe T.D. Jakes, but it seems like, from my research, a lot of people have made this claim. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. But that, you know, favor ain't fair is the idea. Right, right, right. right. God is just. God is always just, but he's not fair. And so we're going to look into that. We're going to talk about that, see what that looks like biblically, and yeah. uh, if there's any truth to that. So uh, we're going to do that right after this quick word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And we are back talking about fairness and justice and how do those things work together? Is God both of those things? This this is kind of going to be a lot to cover. We are talking about theodicy. Okay. <laughs> you said the, the, the Theo is, is theodicy. God. So right, right, yeah, yeah. What's dissy? Theodicy uh, actually uh, theo, yeah, God, and uh, dice comes from uh, the Greek dike, just. Justice, the it justice is of literally, God. literally, is God just? Uh, or, or another way of looking at it is justifying God. And it answers the question, uh, it answers the question of the presence of evil against the assertion of the goodness and justice of God. If God is good and just... Why do the good suffer and why do the bad prosper? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, oddly enough, I hadn't even planned to go down that rabbit hole, but like... I wanted to bring it up for a very specific reason. Do you know who invented the term theodicy? No. It was a man by the name of Leibniz. Leibniz. Leibniz, the father of calculus. Really? He was a mathematician, Zach. Oh. And I know how much you enjoy math. So Yeah, uh, I love it so much. <laughs> he was a mathematician, but he was also a theologian. And he, he literally did coin the term theodicy, and since then it's been picked up. And it's commonly used for the issue of can God be good and... Uh, uh, just. Just at the same time that evil exists in the world. So. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, so I said I hadn't even really thought to go down that 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 route, right? But um, I think we should because honestly, when you look at the world around us um, and some of the major players uh, speaking out against that stance, like Richard Dawkins – Right or Christopher Hitchens, right? Um, these using great that as a rationale for atheism or for denying the existence mm-hmm. or the goodness of God. Yes, I mean, so so that is a very prevalent case against Christianity today. Not saying it has legs to stand on, but you right. hear it a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that it's worth it's worth talking about that a bit. But before we maybe get into all that. I, our our main question here comes down to is 
is God just and fair? Right, right. That was the question as it came to us. And so I think the first thing we have to tackle is what does the word, what does justice mean and what does fairness mean? Yeah. And I think justice is a whole lot easier to nail down. So why don't we start with it? Okay, yeah, yeah. So we get justice both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I I didn't look these words up, but I've worked with them for years now. Um, both Old and New Testament. The words, uh, Tzedek in the Old Testament, Dikeosune uh, in the New Testament, have not only the meaning justice, but also the meaning righteousness. Mm. Now, in English, we separate those two things. Uh, in our language, justice comes from a Latin term, and righteousness actually comes from an old English term that means to uh, make right. It is literally to right-wise someone. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So to do right. Yeah, you do right. Um, uh, basically, righteousness, I think, in contemporary English, righteousness is more of a personal thing. Justice is more of a community thing. But in in both situations, it's doing the right thing. It's doing something that conforms to an objective standard that people would identify as, yes, that is good. That is not evil. Right. Oddly enough, okay, tell me if if I'm alone in this, but I think justice and judgment often get kind of linked. They are. But they're not synonyms. Um, In the Old Testament, there's a second word, mishpat, that is translated sometimes as judgment and sometimes as justice. So they are synonyms. I would say in English they're not synonyms, but at least in that word in Hebrew they are. Right. And it's it's what it boils down to is God judges. So when God emits a judgment, it's just. Yes, it's so good. So that is justice. So let's break that down into English terms. When right. God judges a situation, Right. He does it rightly. He does it good. He does it in accordance with his own character. And if it matches his own character, it is just. Right. Okay. So God is just. Yes. What, there's no getting around it. It's who he is. It is part of his makeup, right. part of his Which, character. I mean, so, I mean, while we're talking about justice, um, Let's maybe explore that, what it means to for God to be just. Um, this is why we talk so much about the crucifixion is because God is just. This is why Jesus had to come in place of us. Sin demanded a penalty. Right. So, I mean, sin – man, we're going to be breaking down a lot of terms today. This, <laughs> this wasn't a churchy words episode, but it looks like it's turning it's into one. It's going to become one, isn't it? Um, so, so sin, quite simply, means well, depending on which which word for sin, but to miss the mark, right? Yeah, you yeah. messed up, right? A transgression would be more yeah, yeah, uh, of yeah. a, a purposeful, a knowing. Another mistake. word is rebellion, and uh, that right. is yeah. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I choose not to do that. Right. So whether you knew you were messing up or you just did it maybe even subconsciously, right. regardless, to mess up at all is – it brings death. Yeah. The penalty yeah. is death. Sin. Well, we say the penalty. The Bible says the wage. The wage for sin is death. Right. As right. in like right. we've done hard work sinning and God is going to pay us for what we have worked so hard for. <laughs> well, we we say that and yet well, – we were talking about this the other day. I'm not sure if it was in this context or not, but you have Ophni and Phineas, the sons of Levi, who mix a strange incense, offer it before the Lord, and kaboom, they're zapped. They die on the spot. Then you have the guy, I forget his name, 
but they're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. It's two guys, isn't it? Or is it one? It, it may be two guys, but uh, the oxen stumbles and the ark kind of teeters and he puts his hands on the ark. To hold it he upright. tries to do the right thing. He doesn't want the ark to fall in the mud. So he puts his hand on the ark and kaboom, zap, uh, he's killed. Um, <laughs> the point is, God said you don't do that. You don't offer strange incense. You don't touch the ark with your bare hand. And when they did, they died. Kaboom. Doesn't say they were condemned to hell. But they did pay with their life. They, that was where I was going, where, where you started out saying, uh, when we sin, we pay with our life. Well, yeah, mm. we really do. Yeah, yeah. The, the and wage I mean, of sin and is those are, death. And those are relatively mild sins. They were... Oh, my goodness. They, they weren't doing something necessarily like no. evil to the core it was but it was still not what they had been commanded to do exactly Ophni and Phineas it was intentional they mixed and who knows why maybe they didn't have enough of uh what the lord had said and so they tried some alternative uh but the guy who reached up to steady the ark I get the sense that was just kind he, of a... He didn't want it touching the ground. It was too oh, holy. Right, yeah. And it was just a reaction. Yeah. He's carrying something. It starts to totter. So what do you do? You reach up and you grab it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's one side of it. I mean, the, the other way to look at it is, you know, each one of us has done wrong in our lives. You know, we, we can look at it from the Adam and Eve story and go, oh, yeah, we were cursed through Adam and Eve. But I mean, on a more practical, applicational, everyday scale, we all sin every yeah. single day. We all break God's commandments. We all do things out of selfishness out, instead of out of love. And anything done out of selfishness is sin. Yeah. Anything done out of selfishness. Yeah. So we're all guilty. God has to make things right. And the only way to do that would be to get rid of sin. Right? right, God right. is just. God promises that He's going to make things right. The only way to do that is get rid of everything evil. And I love Frank Turek talking about this. He always says, "But I, you know, this is where I'm glad God is merciful because had He just been just, He would have gotten rid of everything evil immediately, That's right. and yeah. He might have started with me." That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. There was a Canadian psychologist back in the 70s that wrote a book. His name is Carl Menninger. The book is called Whatever Happened to Sin. And what he what he was pointing at was that as modern psychology has attempted to deal with the issue of guilt, they've tried to do it in a way that eliminates sin. So they do it by saying something like, "Well, what you did really isn't that bad, so you shouldn't be you shouldn't feel guilty about it. In fact, it's not even sin." Yeah, we we've uh, we've taken a, I don't know I don't I don't know how deep I want to go down this. Um, I don't know enough to talk about yeah. this at, at length. It's but a great. Book. I, I do feel like there are things that we've done that with. I feel like there are other things that are like we have revealed. Um, mental illness and things in people that, oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. cause us to not be able to think straight, whatever. I think there, And that's a different issue. Right. And so it there's there's some nuance there. We gotta right. Point out. Oh, absolutely. I think you're 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 totally right in that. Uh but Menninger's point was you don't deal with the issue of guilt by excusing away what caused the guilt. You deal with the issue of guilt by finding forgiveness, making restitution, mm. doing essentially biblical things that uh, modern psychology is sort of downplays. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's justice. Well, I mean, we we I'd still like to maybe tie up the bow on this is like the way God dealt His justice upon the world was through Christ. Yeah, It was through Christ's yeah. sacrifice that Jesus comes to earth, he lives the perfect life we were not capable of, and he dies the sinner's death that we all deserved, even though he was innocent. 
And like the Old Testament says, Paul makes a big deal of this in Romans 3. Everybody sinned. So if God was going to be perfectly just, he would have obliterated every last stinking one of us. But he didn't. But he didn't. He poured out all of his wrath on his own son, Jesus, on on God himself, right? Right. That his life is infinitely more valuable than all of our lives. And his life was infinitely more perfect than all of our lives. And like he takes the value of his life, his sacrifice, and he attributes it to each one of us so that when God looks at anyone who believes in his son Jesus and confesses that he is Lord and that he you know, died and raised from the grave, that they believe in what he did on that cross and who he is, um, that... Christ's sacrifice, his righteousness, his goodness yeah. is attributed to us. His justice, his justice is attributed right. to us. And so it's not that we receive the wrath of God. We receive the favor of God that Jesus right. deserved right. Right. because he died in our place. He received the death, the wage that we were owed for our sin. A further churchy word is the word justification. We were made just. We were made righteous yeah. by what Jesus did on the cross. Yes. Uh, the way I like to think of it, uh, like when talking about being made right with God, is it's kind of like when you got beef with your friend or with an enemy. Um, imagine, though, that all of a sudden, you know, one of you just looked at the other and said, hey, let's clean slate this thing. We're yeah. good. Yeah. We're good here. Yeah. You know, what's needed? What needed to happen happened. We're taken care of. Somebody else took care of it. Don't worry. We're fine now. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it's like between us and God now because of what Jesus did. Um, but the thing is, the reason that's so important to talk about is God could not have let it slide. Exactly. Because then he wouldn't be just. That's right. That's right. You see? So God is just in his judgment. Right. He has to follow through yeah. because it's the right thing to do. He can't deny that piece of his character. That's right. He put it off. He didn't deliver it. He was it. patient. He was patient. Yeah. He waited till the right moment. He planned it all out. He knew how he was going to deal with, with the wrath that he had to pour out on humanity. And he chose to do it upon himself, on his own son, rather than on us. Yeah. But he had to do it. And so a lot of people say, well, why does God have to why – did, why did Jesus have to die at all? Because if Jesus didn't die, God wouldn't be just. That's he right. wouldn't be That's a right. good God. He, he would be evil at that point because he would have no sense of morality at that point. Right. Yeah. So that's justice in that's a justice. nutshell. Right. Um, do you have any thoughts on what that? What is fairness? Oh, Randy. See, this one's a little bit more difficult yeah. because I feel like is does the word fair occur in the Bible? I don't know. I didn't look for it. Here's what we're going to do I can't first. Think of any I'm g- I'll look it up here in a minute. Okay. Okay. But, okay. but when I do, I expect you to start talking about something and be really interesting so okay. you can like, you know, take over for a second. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and then and then I'll go rush and try and find something. Um what I do know is I feel like this whole question of is God just and fair boils down to what do you mean when you say fair? And that's the really big one because we all pretty much have the same idea of what we mean when we say God is just. But what is fair? So fair as an adverb would be in a manner that is honest or impartial or that conforms to rules in a fair manner. That is merriamwebster.com. Um, okay. I think that's so, a pretty good definition. Yeah. So there are three terms in that prep, uh, that definition. First one is honest. Uh-huh. Is God honest? Yes. All the time. He can't lie. He can't lie. Oh. Everything that he says is True. We can pull up some verses here. Do you want me to pull up a passage that says that just to back these things up? Yeah. God can't lie verse. Here we go. We're going to get like 50 of them. Don't worry. It's going to be great. Um, Numbers 23, 19. uh, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he... King James, get out of here. (laughs) 
Get out of here. I don't want that. It started out fine. Hold on. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has, uh, he has, uh, oh, sorry. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? You go on to Titus 1 2. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. There are several passages here. I'm just going to read those too. But the point yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's stated over and over again God does not, cannot lie. So if when you say, God is fair, you mean God is honest. You're absolutely right. What was that second term? Uh, God was honest and God was impartial. Impartial. Yeah. So. um, This one's tougher. Yeah, it is. It is. By and large, yeah. When it comes down to it in the New Testament, uh, again, King James, whosoever will shall be saved. Uh, uh, God sets up a path for salvation, and it doesn't matter if you're uh, if you're Gentile or Jewish. It doesn't matter if you are slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman. Race doesn't matter. Language doesn't matter. Ethnicity doesn't matter. Where you came from doesn't matter. If you follow what God has laid down as the path for salvation, that is, you will be saved. That's the kind of the key piece you just said, though. If you follow, right, 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 because he he's not going to be so great <laughs> at all, right, to if those you don't. who don't follow, <laughs> right. And it's and here's another way that we have to think about this. It's not even. I don't know that what I just said is a fair way of phrasing it. Um, let me let me turn it around. Those who do what he asks will receive what he's promised. Yeah. yeah which is I eternal like life. Yeah, yeah. Those who seek him will find him. Right. Those who turn away from him and walk away from him and don't try to seek him, have want to have nothing to do with him, will not receive the promise of those that seek him. Like, if you walk away from life, you'll get no life. If you walk away from eternal happiness and eternal goodness, you don't get eternal goodness and eternal happiness. So it's not even like he's like – if you're not careful, it can sound like it's like a punishment. It's not even that. I mean it is, but you choose it. You choose it, yeah. It's not that he's like, oh, I'm going to condemn you now because – no, it's like – You've walked away from it. Right. You right. you didn't want this. God freely offered this to you, and you looked at it and said, no, I'd rather not. Now, that is in terms of salvation, though. True, true. And in this life, it doesn't always work that way. Well, that's, that is also true. That is also true. Um, but we're looking at the concept of partiality. So is God always impartial? In the Old Testament, God picks one family out of all the earth, Abraham's family. Right. And he says, you guys are it. I'm going to bless you. Now, my purpose in doing that is that you bless everybody else. Right. But you're going to be my chosen people. Okay. uh, Let's go that route. But, you know, dump it a few thousand years after the fact of that. Jesus talking to the... Samarian woman, uh, where he calls her a dog. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> the Syrophoenician woman. That's right. Yeah, where yeah, she yeah. is asking him to help her, and he yeah. says, "I her daughter came. is ill." Right. He says, "Please come and heal my daughter." And he says, "I came. No. I came to help the children of Israel." Right. And right. then she. Oh, sorry. No, she. She calls herself a dog. That's right. She says, "Even even the dog gets to eat the scraps from the master's <laughs> table." And that uh, dog is what Jews would call people from her area because she was a Gentile. Right. 
And so Jesus, though, then is like amazed at her faith, yeah. you know, and he's like, he's proud of her. And he heals. And he does, right? <clears throat> but but the point is, even in that moment, Jesus gives a little bit of pushback and he's like, don't you understand? Like, I, yeah. I haven't come for you just right. yet. Like, right. I've come for the, you know, he doesn't even say just yet. You know, that's what he, you know, he knows right. that. Right. But, but the point is, the whole idea was the gospel was to come to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. It was to be this overflowing out of Israel because that's the promise to Abraham right. is that I'm yeah. going to bless all the nations through you. You're going to have so much blessing that it's going to spill out over everybody else. Right, right. And and here's the thing. Was there any reason why God picked Abraham? <laughs> I don't know that there was. You look at it and sometimes you wonder, mm, did he make the right choice? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you want my honest, like, I mean, okay, look, Abraham had faith, and God knew Abraham would he have did. faith. He okay, did. so that's yes. big. Yes, but that's huge. But the other thing is, like, Abraham was also the least. Okay, if God's going to pick one group of people through which He's going to create a bloodline to have all the world blessed, that His own Son is going to be born out of, right? Why would you pick a guy that can't even have kids? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he yeah, does. Yeah. But he does. So, like, I've always wondered if that wasn't part of it, too, that it's like, this is just the least likely guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... So when I do what I'm going to do, you're going to know it's me. Exactly. It was not you at all. <laughs> exactly. And so I guess the bigger question would be, there is some unfairness there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like. Like God picked one family bloodline to to bless everybody through for thousands and thousands of years of operating on this earth. It was primarily one group of people being blessed by God because yeah, all the others had right. rejected that's him. Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the story of Babel. They've rejected well, God. Even they rejected God, but God kept coming back because He wanted to show the world what His love looked like. Yes, and right? He had made the promise to Abraham. Right, and he knew what he was doing, and he was bringing around to Jesus. Now, and sorry, with all that said, that's not to say that God didn't love the other, that He didn't want the other people of the world to come to know Him. Right. He in Jonah sends Jonah to Nineveh to have them repent of their sins. Mm. So, like, yeah, it's not just Israel. That God wants to know him, but Israel is the one receiving the blessing. Israel is the one God has formed a covenant with at this point. Right, right. Um, So that's important to know. And actually, even throughout uh, all of the Old Testament, you get this idea that Israel was to go to the other nations. So even, and and this, I really think, becomes big in uh, when Jesus cleanses the temple, he preaches from the book of Isaiah, and uh, he says, uh, I made this, my house, a temple of prayer for all nations. And I'm looking for where he says that, and I am not finding it. Uh, But he literally says, my intent was that you would take this to everybody, and you didn't do it. Uh, is it Isaiah 56, 7? That sounds right. Yeah, that's it. I'll bring them to my holy mountain to Jerusalem. I'll fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I'll accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That was what Jesus wanted the temple to be. Well, that's why Jesus flips tables and cracks a bullwhip. Yeah, he wanted to open the doors for the Gentiles. But they, they were keeping them out. They, yeah, they couldn't get in there right. because it was full of animals, sacrificial lambs. Well, they were trying to make money. Exactly. Yeah, they turned yep. it into a den of thieves, as right. you say, right? Yep. And and so you you look at that and you see, okay, well, that's not exactly maybe how we would judge right. as fair, right. right? So if you ask the question, uh, if fair means is God honest, absolutely. No question, no doubt. God is fair. Does that mean that he is impartial? Well... Let's go back again. Let's do another one real quick. Yeah. Job. Uh-huh. Job does 
everything right. Yes, that's right. Because we've talked about if you if you do what God asks, right. you know, you will receive his promise. And and that's why I said, well, in terms of salvation, yeah. Right. In terms of what your life will look like in this broken, messed up world. Not so much. Not always, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not to say God isn't still with those that love him and he is working for for their good, right? We right. do believe yeah. that. Right. But we can't always know what our good looks like. Yeah. And so Job, I mean, just to summarize the story, Job is, is a man of God. He he loves God. He does what he's supposed to do. And uh, Michael Heiser would, would argue whether or not the, the, the Satan, the adversary mentioned in that story, is the devil of the Garden of, of Eden or not. Uh, but regardless, it's an adversary. It's somebody, a, a prosecutor, somebody yeah. that comes about yeah. and says, hey, what about that guy? Yeah. I bet I bet right. that if you took all the good away from him, he wouldn't He'd love you. He'd curse you, yeah. He'd curse you, yeah. And God says, no, that's not true. He said, you can take everything away from me. You just can't kill him. And he'll still love me. What was fair about that? <laughs> and he does. I mean, right? Every, he takes everything. His family all dies. Yep. He loses everything. Everything he owns, and he's sitting in a rubble. He gets covered in boils. He's he's stripped down naked, yep. just crying his out to God. His wife leaves him. His wife leaves him. Uh, his friends basically spend the entire time going, what did you do? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, what did yeah, you do? They don't, they don't encourage him at all. They no. come and they heap it on. And, and Job just asks God, explain yourself. That's what he wants. Yeah, I yeah. want you to explain yourself to me. And God shows up and God basically says, hey, shut up. I'm God. You're, You're not. not. <laughs> you don't even understand the the things in front of you. I made the stars. I made the galaxies. I made the inner workings of the human heart. I saw you when you were in your womb. I made you see this dragon thing over here. I made, <laughs> I made that. that. Oh, this other dragon thing over here. I made that. He's just he's just going on and on. I know where the snow is stored in its storehouses and all this. And he's like, so do you know how any of that works? Oh, you don't? Well, then maybe you should just trust me on this one, okay? Like, you don't have to understand all this, but you do have to trust me. And that's just kind of it, and that's good enough for Job. And and you know what? Job ends up saying, you know what? Trusting you is different from feeling like I have been treated fairly. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter the way I was treated. I still trust. Right, because you're God and I'm not. Right, right. And I mean, it, that's, it's, it's really as simple as that. And so when we, we kind of maybe when we marry... Oh, that just doesn't sound right though, does it? Well, no, because we live in a world where the bad guy is supposed to... I mean, we live in a very karmic world. Yeah, we want it to be. Anyway. We want it to be. I mean, and, and even when we read things like we talked about this a few episodes ago, when we read things like Proverbs, right? If we read it like, oh, that's how it's going to work every single time, if We're we believe be very that, disappointed, one hundred percent, because that's not really what the Bible's trying to tell us. There is a general way that things work, and generally, if you if you do the will of God, he's he's gonna he's gonna support you. He's gonna be behind yeah. you. Yeah. But that doesn't always mean it's gonna go well. And generally, if you don't go the way of God, it's generally not going to go well for you. Right. But sometimes those people are going to prosper. And we aren't to understand why. God sees the big picture. He knows what's going on. We just have to trust him. But real quick, can we marry the idea of uh, justice and the idea of uh, impartiality together? Um, I'm trying to back it up a few steps um, to where we just were, dang it. Well, there were three terms in that definition. One was honesty, and we're saying, yeah, God is totally honest. Second was impartiality, and uh, we're saying uh, God is usually impartial, uh, but he was not impartial in picking Abraham's family, Israel, over all others. The third term was equity. Is God equitable? Okay. I, I remember where I was going. Um, and it kind of ties into that. Yeah, I kind of figured. 
So the idea finally here, I think, is God is just. We already we already covered that. It's no who question. he is. No it's, question. It's, his it's character. part of his character. It's not just like it's something about him. It's like, no, it's who he is. Right. And he can't deny who he is. Right. He just is. He's pure. We right. are not. Right. With that said, we're sinners. Yeah. We're broken. Yeah. We're the bad guys in this story. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, if we believe in Christ, if we call him Lord, if we we profess him as our as our Lord and our God, right? And we we obey his commandments, right? Like, yeah, we are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. I shouldn't say if we if we obey his commandments. We are saved by Jesus simply by the mercy of God, right? Right. Um but Outside of that, in this broken world, um, take take Jesus out of the equation for a second, and I, I hate to say that, but we kind of have to to just kind of play this out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, God didn't have to send Jesus for us, right? Right? He could have condemned us all. Yes, absolutely. In and fact, His justice would demand it would demand that He condemns. We, we us would all. have had to have been. Yeah. Um, but so now we now that we have Jesus, right? Now that we have this. Uh, the savior in in our world, we have to recognize that since we're the bad guys in the story, and God is the only good guy in the story, and the only reason we get to be good guys at all is because of Jesus, not because right. of us. He made us good. Right. It means that he can show impartiality to whoever he wants, uh, and it's good yep, every yep. time. Because since we're the bad guys, we deserve punishment. Right. So any good to anybody is completely fine. It, it's it's a mercy. It's good. Another way of saying that is it's not fair. It's, it's not, not fa- fair for God to treat you good, well, right. when you're a sinner. Right. It's really what would be fair is for him to treat you as the sinner you are and give you eternal damnation. Exactly. But so, yeah, God isn't fair. In that sense. In that sense. Yeah. But that's good. <laughs> God works to his purpose, and his purpose was to bring us salvation, to bring us back into a relationship with himself. And he couldn't do that if he killed us every time we sinned. Oh, my gosh, dude. No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it to one year old, I don't think. <laughs> no. I mean, have you ever been around a baby? They just cry and want stuff for them. They're, they're not exactly these selfless little things. I, like, I read something one time that said uh, uh, a baby is basically, how was it, a, a an egocentrical schizophrenic, and it's the parent's job to knock that out of them. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I once heard somebody compare babies to tiny little drunk people wandering around, <laughs> and I thought that that was pretty pretty oh, no. good too. It wasn't schizophrenic. It was narcissists. narcissists. They were egocentric narcissists. <laughs> and, man, they're absolutely right. <laughs> but, but, but so are we, right? We oh, all yeah. are. We yeah, all are. Yeah. Um, Some of us never grew out of that. <laughs> so, okay. So with that said, though, I mean, get, get back to the equity thing. And uh, that's another word. It's kind of yeah. a loaded term anymore. It is. But if it you're is. trying to say – It's a political term anymore. If you're trying to say equality, if you're trying to say that people deserve equality or that God gives equal opportunity to everyone, I do believe God gives equal opportunity to everyone. He opens the same door to everyone even though he may have created them differently. This is where this is where I'm gonna not lean Calvinist yeah. for the discussion. Um I I do believe Jesus died for everyone, and I think the Bible makes that case. Um I think you have to kind of twist some passages to get it to say otherwise. Um Yeah, you have to redefine some Second Corinthians five. Uh, 14 and 15 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Um, the Calvinist would say that was for everyone that would believe in him. Oh, right, yeah. The Arminian stance would say that was for Everyone, Everyone, and now they have to, through the faith given to them by Jesus, by Christ. accept that faith. Yeah. They have to surrender, more or less. 
We talked a little bit about some of the passages in uh, Scripture, especially in the New Testament, that actually uh, present the gospel in inequitable terms. Do you want to go there? Let's try it. I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Um, the parable, the parable of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is a parable that Jesus gives twice. He gives it near the end of his ministry. Once it occurs in Matthew, once it occurs in Luke, they are not the same parable. Same okay. gist, though, right? Yeah, the same idea and the same message in each parable. So in Matthew, a man goes on a big trip, and he takes three servants, and he gives one five talents of silver, another which three is, which talents. Which is just a... a uh, it's an unimaginable amount of money. Right. A talent is roughly 75 pounds. That means that the price of silver today, each talent was $28,000. So to one guy, he gives him uh, over a quarter of a million dollars. The other one gets about 150000 And the last one gets 28000 So... Incredible amounts of money that he's given these people. And he goes on a trip. Well, in Luke, it's very similar. There is a a man who goes on a trip and he calls ten servants. Now, I had stuck in my mind that in both it was three and in Luke he gave them ten, five, and one. Well, that's not what it was. He calls ten servants forward, and he gives each one of them a mina of silver. A mina is like a bag. It's worth about $2,500, so it's a much more reasonable, manageable sum. One is more of a, like a hyperbole kind of situation. Exactly. Where he's really trying to over overdo it to show the scope. And the other one is uh, you could say, yeah, I could see that happening. Hmm. A guy's going on a trip. He calls 10 of his workers. He says, I'm going to give you $2,500, and I want you to use it for me. So when he comes back, he calls the 10 servants to account, but we only have the story of three. First one has uh, reproduced that money, and he now has 10 minas. He has $25,000. He gives it back to his master. Great. Second one uh, has five Minas now. So he gives his master, what is that, uh, 12500 The other one hid the money away. In Matthew, uh, the one that was given five doubles it. He now has ten. The one who had three doubles it. He now has six. The last one hid the money away. In both cases, in both Matthew and Luke, the point of the story comes when uh the master congratulates the first two servants, says, oh, you've done a great job. Uh, you've made me very happy. Come into my joy. I'm going to give you greater responsibility. But in the two Gospels, when the third guy comes in, he condemns him. In Luke, I think he calls him lazy. In Matthew, he calls him wicked. And then he says, take the one thing, either the talent or the mina, And give it to the one who has ten. And our sense of equity, at least mine, jumps up and says, no, no, no. Uh, These guys, the first two servants, both worked hard. Split it and give half to each. But, in fact, in the book of Luke, they question the master. They said, why give it to the one who has ten? He already has ten. And it's the message of the parable. To him who has, more will be given. To him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's the point of the parable. That the master doesn't treat his servants with equity. He gives the one who has more, even more. That is wild. It blew me away well, when I realized that. You're kind of messing me up here now, too, 
because I'm I'm curious. Was that the only parable you were going to talk, or were those those the only two you, two you're going to talk about? No, and it's because of that message. Because this is not the only time that Jesus says to him who has more will be given. What's the other one you're going to do? So the other one that he gives is uh, let's see where is it here in uh, um. Because I've got one Mark too. four, twenty five. Okay, I'm curious. And and that is paralleled in Mark thirteen twelve, and it's in the context of the seeds. Okay. And in the middle of three parables that Jesus gives about the seeds, he says, "To him who has more will be given. To him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away." And it just kind of comes there out in the middle of nowhere. And you wonder why he's saying it. But it seems in the parable of the seeds, which is a parable about the words, or the, the word of God, that what Jesus has said is, if you hear my word and accept my word and follow my word, I will increase your understanding. If you hear what I'm saying and choose not to do it, you're going to start misunderstanding even what you have. I'm going to take away. Okay. To him who has, more will be given. Yeah. Now, it's in that context that Jesus also says, let him who has ears to hear, listen. He says that three times in the parable of the seeds. That is repeated in uh, later in Matthew eleven fifteen, let him who has ears to hear, let him listen. Because hearing, they're going to multiply their understanding, and it also occurs at the end of every letter that the Spirit writes to the churches in the Book of Revelation. Hmm. Let him who has ears to hear, listen. What I'm getting at here is there does seem to be a principle that it's it's not share and share alike. It is when you work for something, when not when you, that's really rotten choice of words. When you accept what God has given you, and you let it work in your lives. It begins to grow. It begins to multiply. You begin to see new things. Your understanding is multiplied. Your faith grows. But when you take what God has given you and you sit on it, whatever faith you had starts withering up and drying. It goes away. Yeah. I Can I take us a different direction now? Go a different direction. Because yeah. I... The more I've sit here listening to you talk about these, the more confused I have grown <laughs> over here. Uh-oh. No, pause. No, I, it's it's good. Yeah. I, I think I I think I've got it. I okay. do, okay. but I want to hash it out out loud so it actually makes sense. Sounds great. Uh, Matthew twenty. Yeah. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, and he sent them out to work. Yeah. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. 
I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. And it's almost the opposite of everything you just said, except <laughs> it's not talking about money. Yeah. It's talking about the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's yeah. talking yeah. about um, it's the Jews and the Gentiles. Absolutely it is. And it's the same story as the prodigal son, the son that went yeah. away and the son that remained faithful the whole time. And the father receives the son that ran away for years with feast and a party right. and with open arms. Right. And the other son that had been there the whole time, he gets mad. And the father says, why are you mad? Your brother was dead and now he's alive. Yeah. Celebrate. He was lost. Now he's found. So there is an element of, to, to the one that, that works, more will be expected. More will be given. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's that. But then there's also the, God can do whatever he wants. And he can save whoever he wants, and he can bless whoever he wants because it's his blessings to give. And so we should just shut up and smile when he gives us anything because we don't deserve it. <laughs> that's really that's you, it. I think you mentioned this at one point uh, in uh, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's the first book, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. At one point, um, Lucy asks Mr. Tumnus about mm. uh, somebody else. Oh, no, no, it's no, Aslan. no. She asked Aslan about yeah. somebody else, and he says, you can't ask that question. That question is not appropriate. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, you're getting uh, – so this is like – that's like the second I, or I'm, third I'm, book. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I'm mixing things up. Yeah, but. yeah so no, the, the second or third book, she's been looking for Aslan the whole time, and she finally finds that's him. That's it, yes, But she's yes, screwed yes. up. She's done a bunch of stuff weird. She should have sought after him earlier, right. but she's waited. Right. And she says, I should have done it then. I, right. What would have been different then? He says, yeah. look, you can ask anything, but you can't ask can't that. Can't ask that. Right. Yeah. So um, – where that fits here is his relationship with us is with us. It's not right for us to compare our relationship with someone else's relationship and say, why aren't you treating me like you've treated them? It's not fair. Did God love David more than Job? <laughs> or Samson? Great question. More than Job? Right. Or Samson more than, oh, Gideon? You know, like, yeah. we, can we really do that? We can't do that. And none of their stories look remotely similar. And yet we do that all the time. Right. I mean, it, dude, okay, so if you want to go through, okay, the reason I named some of those names, we, we've we talked about this before. Uh, Jephthah, Gideon, Samson, right. yeah. Abraham. Let's just do those few. We know through Hebrews 11, they are all saved, and we will see those people in heaven. Yeah. Because they had faith in God. That's yep. the whole point of faith. That's the whole of point of Hebrews 11. 11. They had faith, and when we are given our new bodies, they will be given their new bodies. We will all be in heaven together. Even though Gideon and Jephthah and Samson, I don't know if I, if I sat down and listed out a group of guys that I thought, or like, yeah, those guys had faith. I don't know. They'd make the cut. I wouldn't want them on my uh, pastoral team. No. <laughs> I mean, Gideon went and, and built altars to other gods exactly. after God saved him. Right. Samson. I mean, Samson, his story is a little backwards. He kind of ends on a high note. But Jephthah sacrifices his own daughter. Right. Like, it, it, it's off the rails. But it tells me those three guys will be in heaven, okay? Abraham also has faith. So you want to set Gideon or let's say Samson and Abraham together? Samson gets his eyes gouged out. He gets <laughs> he gets beaten and mocked by an entire population of people like he's made a spectacle of. He was one of the strongest men. He gets beat down, he gets abused, right? Then you've got Abraham and it's pretty much smooth sailing for most of his ride. Pretty much. I mean, pretty much. he's got, I mean, he he's some, got some really rough spots, but yeah. like he doesn't get his eyes gouged out. No, you know no, 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 no. But to 
can I put those two people next to each other and go, who did God love more? Or like, it, it doesn't work that way. No. They had faith. They're believers. They are sa- they're saved, right? Like, so how can we look at the people next to us, just like you said, right? and go, but wait, God's blessed them in this way, and look at my life or whatever. I, I ought to be getting that. Right. Uh, which no. <laughs> which I we kind of didn't know whether or not to go down this spot, but like talking about how, where, where this whole idea came from was, uh, we think, a T.D. Jake's sermon. And my only issue, uh, well, I don't know a lot about T.D. Jake's. I've read a few things. I, I need to go further down that uh, path to see like what all he really does believe. But some of what he said seemed right, but then other stuff he said in this sermon that I, I was listening to uh, seemed very... You know, God's gonna make you prosper, and it's like that's not promise. And yeah, that is not promise. So, so my issue with that is, then does somebody who is prospering? Or sorry, let's go the other way. Somebody who isn't prospering, do they look at somebody who is and go, "Oh, well, they must be loved by God more than me"? Or all the time I, they do. Or they they must have more faith than me. Right. And it's like, we can't look at it like no, that. No, no, absolutely So not. that would be my major issue with with anything he said there. And like I said, uh, you know, if you've got problems with D.D. Jakes, and I know many people do, I don't know much about the guy, so I can't get into that. But uh, He's I, an incredible communicator. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he was... He definitely captivated that room I was watching, but yeah. I I still don't agree with everything he was saying. But um, with that said, you know, just to touch on that, so so I I don't think we can go prosperity gospel route with this. Right. Prosperity gospel is is not biblical. It is wicked. It's wrong. Yeah. Um. Get rid of that. Right. So, with all that said, is God fair? <laughs> yes and no. Uh. Again, depends on the definition. Is God honest? Absolutely. Is God impartial? Usually, but not always. Is but, God, he us, but he doesn't owe us. But he doesn't owe it to owe anybody. Us to anything, be. and that's the point. Right? Is he equitable? Um, Once again, he doesn't owe no, us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. And our way of looking at equity and God's way of looking at equity are probably two different ways. Yeah, and, and so I mean, it, it's just. It's important, I think, once again, to recognize, like, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. So we – it's not really fair for us to put him in a box like that. Right. To say, oh, you know, does he act this way every time? No. But like we've talked about in the past with, like, Proverbs, there are general trends to the ways that he blesses. Right. But they are not a, you know, one size fits all. It's not a hard and fast, yeah, uh, one two three magic uh, potion, right? But that's not the point of the Bible. The point of the right. Bible is for us right. to come to have faith in the one true it's God. It's a relationship with right. Him, so right. It's going to be different for every person. Is one parent's relationship the same with each one of their children? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no, be, Randy. I really messed up. <laughs> the answer is no. But but I mean I think that's just it. Like every kid's different. And they all need to be taught in different ways. <laughs> and we have a perfect teacher for a parent right. that knows yes. us in, intimately to the point that they know ex- he knows exactly what we need. And when he says I love you the same, so I treat you differently, differently, <laughs> it still makes me mad. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, so thank you, Joyce, for writing in with that question. That uh that one was. It kind of stumped me a little bit. I thought it was going to be really easy as soon as I read it, and then the more I thought, I was like, "Oh no, this is <laughs> this is more complex yeah, than yeah, yeah, than yeah. I thought." We were all over the place on that too, weren't we? You kind of have to be. Yeah, this one's a tough one, but uh, yeah, thank you for writing that in, Joyce. We appreciated that. And if any of you guys have any questions, we would love to uh, check out your questions, talk through those as well. Uh, make sure to check out our website. It is saltysaintspodcast.com. Get on there. Check out all our episodes. uh, Write into us. Let us know what's on your mind. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Um, Go check out our friends at lifeaudio.com. Lots and lots of awesome podcasts over there. 
and uh, they're adding more all the time too. The thing's just growing like crazy. It's awesome. So get over there, check out uh, you know some of their podcasts on how to read how to read your Bible, how to study the Bible, um, stuff on just Christian living in general. Good stuff. Until next time, stay salty. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on on your favorite podcasting app.